0: What's up, everybody? It's another Wednesday, so that's another episode of Beyond Grit with Robert Young. My name is Kara Shelton, and I am Rob's assistant, and I'm doing a quick intro because our special guest for this week is none other than Rob himself. If you're new to the show... And if you didn't catch the name, Robert's usually the host. But last week, we had Jimmy Cantor on the show talking about his For Joss Fund, which is an amazing organization that raises money to provide outlets for families with newborn babies to help prevent SIDS. That episode was really amazing. It was gripping. Jimmy is a good guy, personal friend. So,
1: we surprised Rob. And at the end
0: of last week's episode, here's what happened
1: hang on don't hit stop yet you don't you don't know this okay but i set up with Kara that i'm going to interview you now
2: really
0: so sneaky right yeah so jimmy got a chance to be host for a day and he did a really good job i was really impressed by the conversation nice job fellas And it was great to finally hear Rob's story. He loves to showcase other people. He believes everyone is special and has a purpose and has a story to tell. And we feel the same way about him. So just want to throw it out there that Rob is the best boss in the world. And I'm very grateful to work for him. And I'm glad to finally hear his story. So I'll stop talking now so you can enjoy the show. As Rob says, grab a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Maybe a whiskey or something stronger. Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. Enjoy the show.
1: It's uh, welcome to Beyond Grit podcast. This is your fake host Jimmy Cantor. Wow! I uh, I think it's time for Rob to tell some of his story because uh, I think he has an amazing story that he downplays a lot, and I'm not sure I know all of it either. Okay, but I think it is well worth telling how you ended up, you know, in Charlotte, a very successful realtor um, with a podcast, and there's there's a lot on how you get there especially since you like to talk about beyond grit it's not Mm -hmm. all easy no you know so it's it's you know everything's a challenge and i think yours is is a good story so you started out in michigan right graduated high school and what happened i started
2: out in michigan lived there for 38 years, graduated high school. At that point, I wasn't going to college. I decided or I, I thought that the path for me, I was going to work for my dad and we were going to clean windows and that was going to be our thing. Even though I could not stand cleaning windows, but I, I felt at that point that was it. I didn't have any idea. You know, everybody else was going to college and had their life figured out. I didn't.
1: So why no college? Like you, you seem like you were very set on no college.
2: Um, I don't know if I was set on no college. Um, I don't feel like um, my parents felt it was that important. Okay. Um, They didn't go to college. My dad didn't go to college. I don't think it was one of those that it was very important. And if I did want to go, they were like, well, you're going to pay for it. And at 19, I was like, I don't know. And people, this was before the internet. (laughs) This was before the internet. And I didn't know what to do.
1: There was no cell phones. There wasn't, there wasn't a computer in your pocket walking no. around at the time.
2: No. So you, I had no idea. Right. So there was no, this is what you're doing. You're going to college. Kind of like with our kids, you're going to college. Right. So that's why I didn't go.
1: Okay. So, okay. So window, window washing business, you're going into business with your family.
2: My dad came to me. I was 19 years old. And I remember I was standing on the, the driveway outside of our house when we still live in Michigan. And he said, Yeah. And he was young um, and he had this business. He was so stressed with the business that he was actually in the hospital for two or three days. And it was all stress driven with this business. And I think he wanted to get away. And he said, hey. We can move to Florida and we'll go into business together. And I was like, okay, I still don't want to clean windows, but I'd rather do it in Florida (laughs) than here in Michigan. So I said, yeah, you know, let's go. We'll, We'll go to Florida. And to this day, I still feel horrible about it because he sold his business, uprooted his family to move to Florida and go into business with his son, right? So that's that's like a proud dad moment right and i was the mentality of a 19 year old where i was like well we'll get through it and it'll be okay instead of saying no i don't want no i don't want to do that and no i don't want to do this but i wasn't at that point in my life right you know to be able to stand up to him but it took moving there like i said he uprooted his family he's starting over And six months into it, I finally woke up one day and I was like, no, I'm done, you know? So now you had this son that says, nope, I'm done out of the blue and a week later, I was back in Michigan. Um,
1: That's pretty amazing. So from wake up and saying I'm done to back in Michigan is a one week. Probably
2: a one week. I mean, I didn't even give him a two week notice. And I think it was, and I tried to be careful with, with, with Robert and with my kids. And I know that it's one, one side is parenting and the other side is trying to give advice it, but not being overbearing, not being to where they feel like they don't have a choice. So I never felt like I really had a choice. This was what I was going to do.
1: No choice to go to Florida. It was No
2: choice yep. to clean windows. Like this is what gotcha. you're going to do. Like I didn't, there was nothing else out there except for go maybe into the military. Right and At this point, the fire department wasn't even on my radar. Right. Okay. It was a little bit, but yeah, it was like a week, man. I made that decision and it was one of the hardest decisions I ever made. And it, it was the best decision I ever made for life because I felt like I had Power, like if I could have that tough conversation with my dad, and through all that, I can pretty much have most any conversation. Right now, so I moved back to Michigan, went to work for my uncle.
1: Hang on, hang on. Let's, okay, we're going, we're going fast. So I mean, that's a pretty quick turnaround, both mentally and like physically. To I mean, that's a that's a great conviction to say I'm done cleaning windows. There was no like I'm going to stay in Florida and I'll keep helping clean windows while I figure this out and do what I want to do. You, you felt the conviction enough that I needed to get back to Michigan. Mm -hmm. So do you know what that was? Like you, did you know you needed a, like from a business standpoint, like not, I don't want to take the feelings of your father out of this, but from like a business standpoint, did you know, like I needed a clean break? I'm never going to make my own name if I don't like, I'm just, I'm speculating. I I don't know what those, what those answers are.
2: No, I don't think it was a clean break for business wise. I think it was, I needed a clean break at that point in my life from, from them. Okay. I needed to be me and I needed to figure out how to be me. And so it had to be, it had to be a clean break. And the only reason it was back up in Michigan is because I knew Michigan and I kind of had friends back there and I knew
1: he had some sort of support group,
2: but that was it.
1: If you think about it, it's a, it's a time for a lot of people too in that same, same room, whether they go to college, they need that break from their parents.
2: Right. And I feel like that's what Robert's getting right now. And he needed that break, right? He needed to get away. And I'm sure Audrey Needed to get away, and that's good. And you've got to let them get away.
1: They got to find their voice. They got to
2: find their way. Yes. So that's that's how I I made it back up.
1: Okay. So back to Michigan, you're working now for your uncle. Mm-hmm. What what does he do?
2: He bought my dad's business. <laughs> so
1: you're back to cleaning windows.
2: But that's all I knew. I was like, well, I still I've got to make some money. <laughs> Um, so do you have any tips on
1: cleaning windows?
2: Like, <laughs> yeah, hire it out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's my biggest tip.
2: And, but here's, a, I'm going to throw another thing in there. Okay. I was married. I got married. Okay. Yes. So I got married. Yes. During I, this I, time. I, period. I knew that. Yes. Okay. So now we're both of us are are moving. I brought her And this is, all of this stems from not stepping up and saying what you want. Correct. So I really knew I didn't want to get married, you know, but it was already, the wheels were already in motion. And looking back at my, my ex's parents, they would have been thrilled if I would have, we would have came to them and said, I know that you have all this money in and you've got deposits and this and that. This isn't right. And I think we're, we're going to cut. We're not going to get married at 19 and your feeble brain was saying they're going to be so disappointed in us. And I think that what it comes down to that you didn't want to disappoint people. I don't want to disappoint them.
1: That happens to this day. Yeah. With a lot of people, they're not able to say no, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so, so yeah, so I moved back to Michigan, Okay. started cleaning windows. Started cleaning windows. Started cleaning windows. um, And then I knew that that was temporary. I ended up meeting some friends and their dad owned an electrical company and a communication. So they put in low voltage wiring for phone systems, fiber optic cabling and things like that.
1: So, and this is all Detroit.
2: This is all in Detroit. So I ended up getting a job there, $7 and 71 cents an hour starting. Awesome. And I quit the window cleaning business and all of this, I was 19 years old and when I left to come up to Michigan I didn't ask to stay at anybody's house I didn't ask to stay with family we got our own apartment we paid bills and we had car payments and all this stuff so I didn't leave and then become a burden on people sure I worked I worked I probably at sometimes I had three jobs just to work and pay the bills. And I still didn't, you know, the fire department was still kind of like twinkling back there, but my ex, she, she's like, no, you're not going to be a fireman. You know, firemen get hurt. Right. So they do. Right. And so I was like, okay, I don't want to disappoint you. Okay. I'll let you make the decision for me. And finally, you know, we separated. And when I met Nicole, that's when, that's when everything started happening
1: for those of you who don't know Nicole is Robert's lovely wife to this day
2: to this day coming up on 25 years anniversary this year big year this year but I found that person that supported me, instilled us, and I support her. And and that's when it was like, you know, I really want to do this. I want to work on the fire department. I'll do it, you know. And everything comes with a cost. I was working the day job. I got on a volunteer fire department. You had to go through the fire academy. That was at night, so I'd study and go and do my things at night. I had to get my EMT license, and then. From there, I had to get my paramedic license. And that was again, going at night, you know, three times a week. And then on the weekends and, and, and passing, and then it it just started rolling. And then all of a sudden, you know, I was kind of, I was working one job at the communications, the electric company, and working towards
1: becoming a fireman. So working towards becoming a fireman, what was the biggest challenge with fireman academy, fireman school? I don't know what the... What the-
2: yeah, at the fire academy, the fire academy was fun. It was something new, something that I enjoyed. Right. The challenge at that point in the career was getting on a department. So that was the hard part.
1: Okay. Again, so, ex- so explain that to me. You're at a school that might service.
2: We had probably it, at this school, um, there was probably 50 of us Okay, in class. Most of us were on volunteer departments. And so the area that I lived in, most of the departments there were volunteering. And then once you moved, you started going to different areas in different counties and they became full time fire departments. The challenge was one, like I said, we we were Before the internet, so I would go to the Barnes and Nobles and the bookstores and I would purchase all those books on taking tests and tests and tests. And then you would take the test and what was hard? Well, the math portion was hard, you know, so I would buy a book and study all the math on there and just do it every single day. And go over and over and I remember I kept a list because uh, I would call the cities and ask them when they're hiring because at that point they only hire every two years so you had one chance you know to hit it or you're waiting two years right. to get on whatever department. Some departments were were better than others. Um, and it took one, two, by the third hit, you know, I got on the department that I wanted to be on.
1: That's amazing to me. I I would have assumed, obviously ignorantly, that you go to the fire academy sort of knowing where you're going to work if you pass. That like, you know, yeah, is this department is sponsoring me. And as soon as I get through fire academy, I've got a spot there.
2: They work differently. Charlotte and in the bigger cities, they run their own fire academy. Okay. So in Charlotte, they hire you. And this is the same with Detroit. They hire you. You come on and you're a trialman. So you you go through the fire academy and you have to pass the fire academy. And then from the fire academy, then you start going on shift. And on shift, you're still on probation. So typically it's a year, full year that you're on probation. Once you get off probation, then you become... A firefighter. And these were not easy jobs to get. I don't think they're, they're easier now than they were when I was testing. At some times there was 300 people in there for a handful of positions over two years. And, and that, and this is where you have to have some grit and determination because you, I didn't go out there and crush it my very first time. I went out there and I remember I interviewed and I took the test and the test was okay. And then I interviewed and I just had the worst interview ever, ever. I knew as it was going on, I couldn't shut up. I was just talking talking. And I, I probably was third from the bottom of the list. And then I would test some more and test some more and get better and better and better and better. Two years later, same department that I was third from the bottom, I was number two on the list. I, I like crushed it. Right. And then the, finally the department that I, and I got hired there I worked there for about a year. And then the department that I wanted to be on, I finally tested there and I was number one on the list. So the, the fight was in me. I just needed to put it in motion.
1: And that takes amazing amount of dedication. Talk about going through a process that can make you want to quit at every turn to know you're not guaranteed anything, but you have to go through this pretty rigorous process yeah. and then continue to go through it. That's uh, that's dedication to your trade and knowing that's not deciding you want to not watch windows and be gone in a week. That's some dedication and some commitment.
2: Yeah. And you don't look at it and you don't notice it when you're going through it. You're just going through it. Right. And there's sure. a lot of people, like I said, when you're testing me with three, 400 people, there is 80, 85% of those guys on there and gals that don't get it, that put all this work in. Maybe they didn't put enough work in, but they didn't get on the job. Right. And then you have a handful that did get on the job. And I think that's what made the job so special. Right. Because you Earned the shit out of it. Right. It was nothing was given to you. And even when you became a trialman and you were, you spent that year on there. They didn't give you your badge. You earned it. Like you earned it the whole way through.
1: So through Fire Academy, so maybe, maybe you've already answered this question, but through Fire Academy, what is the biggest lesson learned outside of fireman work? You know, outside of how to break down a door or save somebody, what's the biggest lesson learned?
2: Within the fire service?
1: No, no. In life.
2: Oh, in life is, is just, if you want something and you want something bad enough, You're going to do what it takes to get there. Nothing, never, ever, ever go through life and think that one, somebody owes it to you or that somebody's going to give you something because they're not. Nobody's going to give you anything. You got to go out there and earn it and not take it. You got to earn it.
1: And I've always said similar to that, like you, you better enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. You can set a goal, but the reward better not be the goal because the the process is going to, is what what you need to follow every single day mm-hmm. for 6 months, 6 years, 60 years to get to that goal whatever it is. Yep. That's what you better like. Because that's the important thing, showing up every day.
2: I love the process. And if you know me enough, you'll see that I take the process, I love the process, and I kind of get to my goal, and then I'm off to something else. And I love to build and and do whatever. I love that process.
1: Okay, so fire department.
2: Fire department's going great. Great. You know i did i switched a couple times so whenever you switch a a department your seniority goes back to zero so when you start somewhere you're it doesn't matter if you have 10 years somewhere else and you get on another department you're a trial in again until you go through your probation and and things like that so it it's that set you back a little bit Mm -hmm. um i was probably doing this i think 16 years before we moved so we were on the department and it's bittersweet so you get to where um, a lot of the fire department and the fire service is medical based and we would run paramedic engines and so we had at least one medic on the engine and then we were backed up by a private EMS company most of the runs were medical runs and we were starting to dabble the department was starting to dabble to get ambulances and transport and stuff like that that wasn't my gig I wanted to go into burning buildings I wanted to fight fire, Um, that was my passion. So it it got to a point where I was kind of getting burned out on going on the medical runs and stuff like that. And it it came to a decision, we came to a fork in the road. And my wife, Nicole, her job was taking off. And this was during the the downturn. So it kind of started in 08, we went to 09, things are kind of getting rough. She's a little outlier in Michigan because the company that she works at, they're located in New York and San Francisco and here in Charlotte. So, you know, we were going through, she didn't know if she was going to have a job, not have a job, what the opportunities were going to be for her. And then there's me. So I had my thing. I started my thing early. I got on the fire department. We decided, I, I told her, I was like, this is your time. I'll come down to Charlotte and I'll get on the fire department down here in Charlotte. And so we made that decision to move, to, for me to quit my job on right. the fire department and for her to throw her hat in and say, you know, it's your time. It's your time to move. Right. And so neither of us are very are selfish people when it comes to the success of each other. We're like I said, we're very supportive and we never looked back from moving from Michigan. To Charlotte. It was kind of that whole thing of you're going to burn the boats. Like, I'm not going back. One, you know, I'm not going back because 90% of the people back in Michigan think that we're stupid and this is never going to work. And I can't believe that they're doing this. That was probably one thing. But then the other thing was um, it was a process again. It was a new process. We were learning something.
1: When it seems like you have pretty solid conviction in your decisions, mm-hmm. once you're there, I mean, look, you made the decision to leave Florida, go. Yep. And it doesn't sound like you ever look back.
2: No, very rarely do I. Once I close a chapter, once we close a chapter, mm-hmm. very rarely do we look back on it. It's kind of keep moving forward.
1: That's a, that's a great way, you know, our conversation before this, I don't have a lot of regrets. Mm-hmm. Because I don't like to look back, you know, of because you made the decision you have to you have to deal with what's in front of you today, not with the decision you may have made you know, yep. six years ago. So, OK, let's stay in the let's stay in the fire department right okay. now before we get down to Charlotte. So what was your favorite job within the fire department? And I don't mean like I liked this unit better than that unit or like, did you like being the cook? Did you like washing the truck? Did you like I, I, you tell me? I don't know. I don't know these jobs. I mean, I've, I have no idea what they are.
2: I didn't mind cooking. I cooked most of the time that I was there, which kind of helped me later in life. Um, I didn't mind cooking. I wanted to be tailboard on the truck and or tailboard on the engine. A lot of times you've got engines, you've got rescues, rescue is, was good too. And then you've got your ladder truck. A lot of times the ladder truck is up for outside aerial operations or search, you know, so they, they go in and they're performing a search. The engine is your initial attack, boom. That's where you're, you're dropping the lines and you're firefighting. And so that was my Thing. I Loved it, loved it. Dirtier the better. It was probably actually good that I left the fire department because you know there was the safety, and I was I was one of those where I want to be dirty and grimy. And now you know all that those toxins they're just cancer causing, nasty. Right, right. But I loved fighting fire. I had just a passion for it. I remember my axe. So the pickhead axe—that's my favorite tool. I use that all the time. I like to break things and hotter the better i had an amazing crew of guys that were still best friends to this day and when you talk about a brotherhood on the department there's the department was big and i'm still friends with a lot of people on there or acquaintances but there was a crew that i worked with day in day out that they're my best friends and we worked so well together that we didn't even have to ask each other what we were doing. Right. Boom. We went and did it and teamwork. And, and I, I mean, I love it.
1: So I, I don't know the answer to this question and I may be out of line asking it. So if I am, you just, we'll just move on. Mm-hmm. But is there a day or an event that you were, you stood there and were like, what, what the hell am I doing? Like, this is terrifying or this is, this is beyond frightening. We're all going to die. Like uh, for for you know a lack of a better word, like is it was there anything that any event like that, anything that happened?
2: Yeah, no, okay. no. It, and i would I would go through those periods if we had um different medicals, like if there was trauma and um a car accident and it was flipped over and this was over here and that was over there, and people were laying around here. I would go through this you know, it would take me a second. and I'm like, how am I going to help these people? And what am I gonna do? And that would take me a second. But on firefighting and in, in those operations, it was just I would go into this mode to where we're gonna take care of the job. Not recklessly. Mm-hmm. We weren't we weren't putting ourselves into, you know, what we would call in, in harm's way. I just knew it. For some reason, that has been the only job where I instinctively knew how to do it. And it was exciting.
1: So was there an incident or time or event that you were like, this is why I'm here?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you have those events on the job and I've had those events off the job. And I think the job and the medical thing prepared me. We were at a lifetime fitness, and this was back in michigan and for some reason that day, I left my earbuds at home or whatever so i I didn't have any music on and I was working out and there's a sound that I heard somebody like gasp or something, and which kind of was like, oh, what's going on?" and then I heard the alarm like when you take the a e d out of It's a little holder at the bigger gyms and different things like that. It starts an alarm that goes off. So then all of a sudden I was like, well, what the hell's going on? And I went over there and this guy's laying on the ground. He was younger. You know, he was younger than we are right now. I think he was in his early 40s or late 30s and I was trying to kind of evaluate well, what the hell's going on because this isn't normal did you just pass out did you just have a seizure or whatever and I'm, I'm trying to ask people around me and there was another fireman there and there were a couple of nurses and I said well I said let's get the pads on them you know let's see what's going on boo boo because I I can keep my calm right I, I just go down and it's going we're going to work and I put the pads on them and 80s are amazing machines so I hit the analyze button it goes through and hands off and it says shock advised. And I was like, oh, I was like, okay, this isn't good. And so I hit the shock. It shocked him. And I think we had the shock him one other time and we checked, we had pulses back. And by the time the fire department got there, loaded the guy up, he was talking to us. And I was like, that's what it's all about. Right. Like, and then away they go and you go back to, I'm going back to work out. And it's kind of like you have those feelings, you know, after you get in a fight. You know, and all of a sudden the adrenaline dump and um, I got to meet him, I think it was like six months later because it happened in the city where I started on the volunteer fire department. So I knew the fire guys that came there right. and that was awesome. I don't have a lot of bad moments. I do have stuff where kids and some adults, weird, weird, crazy calls that I still think of and I can I can still think of them this day. But those are, those are really good ones that stick in my mind.
1: Right. So it's, that's, that's amazing stuff. And I knew from, you know, knowing Rob all these years now that we would be able to talk passionately about the fire department. And and I wanted to kind of get that to come through because, you know, the next part of the story is you come to Charlotte, you, Mm -hmm. you quit the fire department and come down to Charlotte. And from a grit standpoint, it is not an easy decision to leave something that you are so passionate about to, you know, to invest in, you know, your, your family life. You know, I know you and Nicole support each other. She's your light that shines through for you. So I know that that part's not hard, but the the physical act of leaving something you are so dedicated to is a gritty thing. Mm-hmm. Is a hard thing. So you leave Detroit, leave the fire department, come down here. And then?
2: And then. <laughs> so I was, I, you know, I left the Detroit area. I was on the fire department was Sterling Heights that I was on. Okay. Um, and so then we moved here. And like I said, the whole thing was I was, all we were going to do was move here. I was going to get back on the fire department, go to Charlotte. At that point, Nicole had to go into uptown every single day and the traffic out here is crazy um, so she would leave let's say at nine o'clock in the morning but she wouldn't get home until 7 38 o'clock at night so she would kind of miss the traffic both ways but now we have a second grader and a fourth grader and so wonderful ages wonderful ages and so I made the decision that I'm going to be a stay-at-home dad
1: and That that is what year <sighs>
2: that was in 11 2011 i'm going to be a stay-at-home dad, and you want to talk about you know you're going from the the fire department where all these guys man i'm such a manly man and i'm the breadwinner and i do this and my wife work doesn't work my wife stays at home and and takes care of the kids and da, da, da. so i had that and not even from the people in the fire department People that lived around here and kind of met me. And I would always get the, and this was good, you know, that I'm as strong as I am to be able to handle this. And the fire department trained me quite well that, you know, they would, oh, does did Nikki say that you could buy that today? Did <laughs> I've, she I've, give you, I've
1: never said that. I don't know oh, what you're talking uh, about.
2: Did she give you her allowance? Did Nikki say it was okay for you to leave? But that's, you know, that was because it was new. This stay at home dad thing was, was new and I'm so glad I did it. And, and hopefully my daughter and my son will be able to see that it's not just the male that is the, the breadwinner and does this. It's, it can be the wife, you know, it can be the female. It can, it's a give and take In the relationship, so yeah, I stayed at home.
1: And I mean, you went from a very rewarding but high stress job to
2: even a higher stress job.
1: (laughs) Even a higher stress job, but with a very different kind of reward Mm -hmm. that can be very mentally taxing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not. I think a lot of people like, like you know, we we obviously poke fun at you and make fun of you and Mm -hmm. say, you know, did Nikki let you out today and that kind of thing. But there's a there's a mental aspect to that. To be able to say, this is the best thing for me and my family right now that, you know, is, is, is an amazing thing. I want to say I recognize it, yeah. um, that it's not just as easy to say, oh, I'm, I've am i retired right. at 34 and I'm just going to, you know, live the high life from here on out. That's not easy to do. It's not easy to to take that step from something you are so passionate about and say, this is the best thing for us right now and follow through on it. And
2: that's what it was. It's not like, you know, I I grew up and wanted to be a stay-at-home dad. Like As a parent, the fruits of what you've done are not going to show up until they're 25 years old, 26, 27, right? Right. They're not immediate. And if they are immediate, then I would probably question that I didn't, I wasn't hard enough on them. And and I was not hard on them, but, but I kept them in line and i don't know some days you know you struggle we're like did i f my kids up right did i did, I, did I mess them up Or they this and i gotta hope that we didn't <laughs> and it is what it is but it was that was something so new to right. me and i think it was new to nicole too like raising kids they don't teach you. They'll put you to the fire academy to learn how to fight fires, and they'll send you to school for business school. But you want to raise a kid? Boom. Yeah. Go do it. All
1: of a sudden, you just out. have you can have one for free. Holy cow! Yeah, it's. Uh, so it's, that
2: was that was interesting. Yeah. That was an interesting journey. I I enjoyed it. There was a couple times that I thought I was going to go back to the fire department.
1: Yeah, I remember those times. But I think you settled. You'd have to give me the exact time frame, but you settled your path wanted to be towards real estate.
2: Yeah. So eventually, you know, and this where it comes in where, you know, as a parent, you're now you're just kind of there to make sure that they, you know, wake up and go to school on time and right. set an example for them. My daughter was in I wanna say it was her first year in college. So it was about three and a half years ago. And it got to a point where the kids were kinda on their own and I needed I needed to start using my brain again for something else. Like I was sitting around too much. Nicole was traveling a lot and it was just kind of me. So I thought, well, what can I do that is is a good career and will allow me to still be at home and, you know, and be still be present. And so, um, I, I liked real estate and I liked, mm-hmm. you know, the different things and I, I talked to people and I decided, well, I'm going to go and get my real estate license. So I went to school, got my license and I went to work I at Keller Williams. I lasted there for about a year and it was good. It was good coming up. i learned, I met some good people, but I'm a little more. Of a kind of individual. I like getting with people and talking and masterminding. I don't like the the song and dance of a lot of, you know, corporate meetings and stuff like that. You don't, need, you don't need clubs. to sit at the
1: water cooler and talk about no. you know, your kid's soccer game.
2: No. Yeah. And I, I just don't need the rock band rah-rah stuff. Yep. And you get that in a lot of these organizations, right? right? They're firing you up. You don't need go. cheerleaders. You don't need cheerleaders. That's right. And so, and I wanted something that was, I could kind of do... On my own and I wanted it to be more of a boutique style to where I don't want to sell 40 houses a year I just don't that was not my thing I don't want this job to overtake my life and a lot of times realtors they're in this and they get they get fed this this lie that they have to be on 24 7 like I'm 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 open 24 7 whose job do you really want? That's 24 seven. Right. Nobody wants job. So I kind of, I, I set out to, to get what I wanted to get and was to take care of my clients really well, be able to focus on them. And when things were bad, you know, I could, I could take care of it and we could work together. And it's been, you know, when we talk about patience and we talk about building things, I was very passionate about the way that I wanted to do it. And I, I feel like I've kind of succeeded. I don't cold call people. I really don't bug you. If you get a card from me, it's there's intent behind that. I'm not just farming out for people just to get people's business. I want to attract.
1: I remember a, I don't remember the specific house or, or seller or buyer, but I remember having lunch one day and you getting off the phone and you were talking about this is very early on i think you were still with Keller Williams at the time you were very you were you were very passionate about the person needs to do the right thing like this is and i i remember thinking to myself like he's going to make it at this cuz he cares mm-hmm. and that's going to come through to the people who he works with which will then carry through to the next person that he works with cuz they will recommend him on and on
2: yeah that was one of the things coming up and and people helping me and guiding me. And when you first get into this business, you want to say yes to everything, right? Right, Because you you just want that first sale. You want that first person. You want to say yes to everything. Um, And they were like, that's okay, but it's not going to be a longevity game. Not for me. So they're like, you're trying to build who you are and you work with people that are like you. So my biggest fear, again, is through CrossFit and the people I've met through CrossFit. And people are like, I'll never work with a friend. I've worked exclusively, probably 85% of my business, people that I know. And I think throughout that whole thing, I've probably had one bad experience, right? but I, and I always kind of go back to me that I didn't set the right expectations. Sure. Now I set a crap load of expectations. Sure. Um,
1: So I think it's worth noting that your story seems to involve a lot of conviction and decision in a decision, not conviction in decision, conviction in a decision, um, passion behind what you're doing. And then the process Mm -hmm. its getting you to a very successful port part of your career. Um, that seems to be a pretty good story for, for yourself. It's fun. I mean, never in a
2: million years would I, if you would have asked me, you know, 30 years ago, where, where do you want to be? And we didn't, you know, Nicole and I, and probably you we didn't have vision boards and we didn't have all this stuff you know and not that there's a bad thing because people probably need that we just and worked. we worked hard and we just kept improving I had Nate Poole was on my show and he said I want to try to teach my kids and myself and my wife to get one percent better every single day and you know, I repeat that every morning and whether that be going to the gym or guitar or work, and we've just tried to get 1% better every day. And you're going to slip like at probably the past six months. I haven't been going to the gym like I was supposed to. I haven't been playing my guitar like I was supposed to work Work has still been good because I can let myself down. I don't want to let other people down. So, But I knew I had to get back to my routine and I did. I have. I've gotten back to it. And it changes your outlook on everything. Just that filling your head with more positivity as opposed to negativity. People can laugh at it and they can say that's a bunch of bunk, but it's not. It like buries down into your subconscious and all of a sudden you just think about that and that's the way you go through life. Correct. That's right. I mean, it's, it's amazing.
1: That's right. So from a personal side, I know you're passionate about the fire department. I also know you're passionate about the Western United States. Mm, love it. So how did that come about?
2: It's funny because my parents and Nicole's parents, we weren't, they're not outdoors outdoors people they don't they don't go anywhere they go on cruises and go here and there but they were never passionate about the outdoor and for some reason nicole and i we went on our honeymoon we were gonna go we're like i don't know if we saw a book at the place and it had hikes let's go hiking so we we started hiking and then start more hiking and more hiking and then eventually we've had the opportunity to go out west and it's just amazing and something about the mountains like me in the mountains i love them i love being in them in the woods i love looking at them I i don't mind a beach like i'll go and i'll enjoy you know when we went down to florida and we went fishing and stuff like that and that was that was fun but for some reason out west in the mountains whether it be in the high desert red rock mountains or in more of the the pine trees or into the Rockies, like all of it.
1: You need to find that place to connect, right? I mean, if yeah. if you're going to work in business, you're going to work hard, you've got to also find that place to connect. For me, it's the ocean. Mm-hmm. Like I just feel at home there. As soon as I touch the water, I am at peace, at ease. For, for you, I know it's the mountains. I know it's the outside. And I think it's also adventure.
2: Yeah, I'd love the, yep. Like
1: I don't ever remember you saying, we just went and got a cabin and sat there for three days. Yeah. <laughs>
2: so. Well, you- And you'll know, you know, just like we're planning, so we're planning another bike trip, and I can't go on the same one. Like I gotta go, right? I need to go see something else,
1: even though you know it would be a completely different trip, completely different. But you can't, you cannot find yourself at the same spot,
2: right? And we'll, I mean, we'll we'll go to different little cities here and there, but very rarely do we ever venture back somewhere twice i mean the amount of scenery and places to go just right here in the u.s
1: right right here in north carolina
2: and in north carolina like western north carolina you can go over there for days and and explore and get out of here you know get out of here in charlotte and you're three and a half hours to the far west of the state and you're three and a half hours to the coast get out of this little bubble. People yes. don't people don't have enough me time. That's right. connect time. It's not always a hustle. You don't always have to hustle. You don't always have to side gig because there's things that you're missing. You're missing enjoyment and connectivity with your spouse and you're missing that, you know, if you have kids and stuff like that because they're only here for, I mean, you see it. Jack is growing up. I just dropped Robert off at college on Friday and he was the last one. And you're like, oh man, I'm an empty nester. It's a little quiet, right? you know? I used to sit in here. I could hear him because he, his room was right up above my office and you could hear it move in his bed. And yeah, it was probably like two in the afternoon, but whatever. <laughs> they were still here.
1: So do you have anything else you want to tell the people of the world who are going to listen to this podcast? I
2: just, um, I was just thinking about this today. And, And the reason that I'm doing the podcast, you know, I'm not selling anything, right? I always feel like there's so many people out there with a story to tell. And whether the story is of success in business, whether it's success in accomplishing something, whether it's tragedy and coming out of tragedy, whether it's success, then tragedy, and then rebuilding. There's so many good stories out there of people. And I really enjoy the opportunity to talk to people about it. Like this is, I like doing real estate and I like selling real estate, but I really like to talk to people.
1: This is good. This has been fun. Kick. I'm glad I got to interview you.
2: I know. This was great. This was right out of the blue. You yes. like caught me off guard. Yes.
1: I thought about it when, when, uh, when Kara set the date up, I was like, you know what? I don't think Rob, anybody's ever interviewed Rob and his story is definitely worth telling.
2: I know. I told so, her, I was like, you know, cause I was kind of backing her up and Kara is my assistant, which I love her. She's amazing. Amazing. And I kind of backed her up because we went through the holidays and you're, you know, this session's right now and she's got to edit it tonight and fire it up to her. I was like, we could take a couple weeks off. And she's probably like, yeah, okay. Thank, thank goodness. I got something coming on.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. This was yeah, fun. Good.
2: You got anything else for no, me? No, I'm good. Shock me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Behind this door, this is your life. Holy shit. Don't press It's your first button. girlfriend. Yes. Oh, my
2: God. <laughs> Don't touch that button. All right. Good. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Bye. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Beyond Grit with your host, me, Robert Young. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. Tell somebody about it. You can find this podcast on all major podcast platforms. And be sure to tune in every Wednesday for another exciting success story of somebody going beyond grit. Until then, take care.